Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Harrison Wade to the show. Harrison is the Director of Sales Enablement at Synthago Corporation. They are a genome engineering solution. So today, we're going to really have a pretty broad range of topics across genome engineering, across sales, across sales development, across sales enablement. So we're going to have some fun. First question, actually, is what in the world is genome engineering solutions? Yeah, that is a great question. It's the ability to make precise changes to DNA so that you can, as a researcher, go in and understand what that change and what the downstream effects are of that particular change. So great for studying genetic diseases, basic biological research, understanding how proteins interact, and potentially even looking at how we can better engineer drugs and cells to go and fight cancer and potentially cure cancer down the road as well. So do you guys actually make those changes or it's a simulation environment? Or I'm just wondering, where do you sit in that ecosystem of genome engineering? We call ourselves a full stack genome engineering company. And so what that basically means is we have bioinformatics, which is essentially data tools where you can go in and design your specific guide RNA, which is what goes and makes the cut and guides, I should say, the protein that cuts the DNA. And so you can design those on the computer, order those from us, or have us actually go and edit cells for you. And then even on top of that, analyze the results of what that edit occurred. So kind of taking that whole cycle of designing your experiment that you want to run, actually making the edit, and then also analyzing those results of that edit. Who are the buyers usually? Are they... I would assume medical researchers at universities and at major pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, you, you kind of hit it on the head there. Right? So it's uh, anyone from somebody in a lab at an institution or an academic university that may be studying genetic disease or studying the function of a specific protein, all the way through to you know new biotech companies that are starting up trying to develop novel therapeutic or a big pharma company that is trying to use CRISPR to edit DNA more effectively so that they can make better drugs. I'm dying to learn more about what the sales cycle looks like so that folks can kind of relate that to their own world, even though the product is different. But before we do that, I got two more get to know you questions. Love to know the name of your favorite sales book and maybe one or two things you got out of it. The definite winner for me is Gap Selling by Keenan. I could listen to that guy talk about anything for an extended period of time. He's so animated. And what I think I took away most from that book is the focus on the problem, right? If you don't understand or you can't get your customer to understand that they have a specific problem or pain and then what the impact of that problem is, then it's going to be hard for them to fully grasp and understand like what your product or solution can solve for them. What is the first thing you ever remember selling? And just for the listeners, by the way, uh, Harrison, as I mentioned, is director of sales enablement over at Synthago, but you had a really great start to your career at Hightail that you spent over six years working your way up from intern to SDR to AE. What was the first thing you remember selling? 
I can't quite remember what age I was, but it must have been sometime like around five or six. I actually made a stand out front of our house, but it wasn't your typical lemonade stand or anything like that. I didn't know how to make lemonade at the time, didn't really think about it. But what I did is I went into the backyard, grabbed a bunch of rocks, all the nice shiny rocks, put them in a box. And my mom was about to throw out these radishes. So I ended up actually making a stand out of rocks and radishes and sat on the street there for a couple of hours trying to sell rocks and radishes to people. All I was able to do was successfully sell two rocks for 25 cents each. And I'm pretty sure it's just because the guy felt bad for me. I guess he didn't want to buy any spoiled radishes from you. No, I don't think so. To set a little bit more context, what does the sales motion look like there? Is it a short sales cycle, long sales cycle, kind of big enterprise sale, more like an SMB transactional sale? Where, where does it sit on those spectrums? We kind of have multiple selling motions. We have kind of an e-commerce platform where people can go and purchase products ranging anywhere from a couple hundred dollars up to a couple thousand dollars. They can do that directly online through the web. But then we also have products that go up to the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And just to clarify for everybody too, these are physical products that we're actually delivering. So we have a factory that goes in, makes these products, and then they get shipped out to the customer. Is that sometimes the machines that will actually do the gene edits or it's the edited gene samples? There's a, it's called guide RNA. And what it is, it's an RNA molecule. So you have a DNA and you have RNA. And so the guide RNA, we bind it with what is called Cas9, which is actually what cuts the DNA. And so when you put that into a cell, the RNA goes and targets that portion of the DNA. It cuts it there. And then that is where your edit will take place. So if you want to, say, stop a particular gene from functioning, you could go in and cut essentially that gene and stop it from working. So one of the products is that RNA. So it's literally a molecule that we create, put into tubes, and ship out. We also then use those guide RNA in our, what we call engineered cells. And so what that is, is kind of like in a Petri dish, we'll go and use those guides to make changes and edit those cells and then ship those cells to people. You seem to have gained amazing proficiency with what this company does. Remind me what Hightail does. Yeah, so we started off actually as you send it. So if you remember that back in the day, it was a quick way to send large files that were maybe too big for email. And so we kind of pivoted towards Hightail because we wanted to move more into the file sharing collaboration space. And so during that transition, that's when we switched over to Hightail. And then we also pivoted a few years later towards the end of my career there. And we went more into what is called creative collaboration. So imagine you have a video file or creative files that you want to get feedback on and you want to go back and forth with your team and get feedback without having to, say, print out the file or send it around to everybody and have them physically write on it. It's a great way to add comments and approve creatives before you deliver them to your client. Okay, so I got to ask. So you have a communication studies degree. You then went to a Silicon Valley firm selling what seems like relatively traditional SaaS technology, even with all the pivots at all is in kind of that space. And then somehow you ended up in a genomic engineering company. How in the world did that happen? Yeah, that's a funny question. So one of my uh, good friends actually was here and he started when we were pretty small here at Syntego. 
and he was one of the first marketing hires. And there was a project that came up where they needed some help kind of working through how to almost like scale up an SDR function, but at scale. And so I had done some of that in my time at Hightail and and you send it. And so I came in and helped and did some consulting work with them. And then that ended up turning into the opportunity to actually come and build out what was at the time the inside sales team. And so that's really where my transition happened. I had that opportunity and it was like, hey, I don't know anything about science, but I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to go figure it out. So from there, it was just about immersing myself into molecular biology, you know, took courses online, took courses in person, just kind of immersed myself with it and learned everything I possibly could. And then that is kind of how I got to, you know, the place where I am today as far as kind of my technical understanding. So I'm by no means a scientist, but I can keep up with most people, specifically when it comes to genetic engineering. Were you given recommendations of courses to take or materials to consume? I assume there's so much out there. I asked that because I just recently finished a book called Ultra Learning. It's about people who master hard skills that they never had exposure to. So, you know, it could be learning to be a computer programmer in whatever, three months time, or they learn to memorize stacks of cards so that they can repeat all 52 cards in whatever order they drew, right? So there's people are using techniques. But one of the things that was in there was basically taking the time before you start to figure out what are the right resources to consume. How did you find the resources and what to study? I did ask some of our, you know, we have countless number of PhD scientists that work here. And so I asked a few of them, like, what are like the good fundamental things to learn? And it was molecular biology always came up as the main one. So I went and I took a course on like introduction to biology, molecular biology one, molecular biology two. And then I took a Harvard course on CRISPR genome engineering. And I'm currently going to be taking one on the science and business of biotechnologies. You went through this experience of learning this field. I'm wondering when you hire sales reps or when you hire SDRs, are you selecting for people who have a bio background? Do you have that luxury? Yeah. So you actually be surprised. There's a number of people out there that have biology degrees and they go into sales and they don't get a chance to use those degrees because they don't know other options out there that exist. So when we go and reach out to people that do have these biology degrees, there's a reason they learn biology because that's what they wanted to do and they were interested in. And so, you know, we can basically get those people and get them into sales. Maybe they were at a tech company as an SDR, but then they come here because they have that desire to be in biology and biotech and life sciences. You'd be surprised. There's actually quite a number of them out there. And then the other model is there's people that are actually in the lab doing research, but they're tired of sitting there and pipetting all day. And they want to still talk science, but they want to be able to talk science with a lot of people and they want to be involved in it. And so sales kind of becomes that avenue for them. And so we can actually pull some of those people out of the lab and get them introduced into sales. You just talked about this this thing that exists in sales in general, which is, do you find people who have industry or domain expertise that can talk the talk if you have to make the trade-off, right? Or do you find people who have some foundational selling skills? 
Obviously, the people who have both are the most desirable, but you rarely have that luxury. As you look at those people who had foundational selling skills, who have to learn the industry jargon, or you look at the industry people who have to learn selling skills, which of the two groups have you found ramp faster in your specific company? I've found that the people who can, I think, have more of the sales background, but they still have to have a biology background as well. Just because you're talking to scientists, you're talking to these people, you need to be kind of able to speak the language or at least be able to understand like where they're coming from. So in our case, it might be a little unique, but from the sales perspective, the people that can sell, they inherently have that ability. And so you rely less on your technical ability and you're able to do that successfully. And I think we've seen that be pretty successful across the board here. But then you also get the really technical people where it can sometimes be hard to get them to you know, go with the fundamentals of sales, but they're able to go really deep technically with our customers and prospects. And so that's also an added benefit. So we've seen massive success in both sides of that. I guess in enablement, though, you might have to do very different things with those folks. So for the folks who come in with the technical background, how do you onboard and provide ongoing training to them? We're actually going through a deep revamp of our onboarding process. I'm relatively new to the enablement position here. And one of the reasons I went into this role was because I saw a lot of the gaps that you just talked about, the onboarding, the technical people that need the sales expertise, the salespeople that need the technical expertise. And so I was really excited about that challenge. And so that's where I started to take it on. And now as we get started to hire more people, we're going to be onboarding more. And so the idea that we're working with is having them go through your know, workshops at home, like kind of your, your e-learning stuff, if you will. Most of our team is field-based. So we bring them into the office. You know, kind of the process now is come in for a week, throw as much stuff into you as possible and send you out to the wolves. The idea being we're going to do more in-depth training for them while they're here. And instead of focusing on product and technical ability, kind of that first week is really going to be diving into sales, how to sell, who our customers are, going through win stories, why do we win, where do we win, who do we target, who's our ICP, how do we prospect. And then in the second week, going to more of a deep dive into product and technical and you know, some of the, the processes, things that they'll need to learn. And so then at the end of that period, we'll have a good understanding of where their strengths and weaknesses are so that we can build a custom program for those new hires. Are there some go-to methods that you're using for the sales skills training? Yeah, so we are currently kind of using spin methodology, and then we're also about to start taking Challenger. So from that perspective, we're going to be using the training materials that we learn from there to build out those sales skills. And then the other aspect of what we're going to be doing is... Yeah, I mentioned we have a product called Engineered Cells. So we're going to be calling this new program Engineered Sales, which is how can we basically engineer salespeople. And so by doing so, we're going to have the opportunity for each rep to sit with their manager and rank themselves on a set of skills. And depending on where they rank and where we think the biggest gap may be, they'll be enrolled in a specific training program for that skill over a period of you know, eight or so weeks. And then as part of that, we want to make sure that we're measuring the outcomes and what's happening and are they actually being able to use that in the real world. So 
there's also going to be analytics that go and track those particular metrics. For instance, if you're struggling with negotiation, you know, some of those metrics may be how much can you improve your negotiation to close one percentage? What is your discount percentage rate and how can we improve that? How are you able to kind of craft and deliver those customized learning paths? Like to your point, if someone is working on their negotiation skill, but you've got a whole bunch of different folks and someone else is working on their whatever discovery skills and on and on and on, how do you actually execute that? Yeah. So for the first phase of the project, we're going to limit it to three or four skills. So that way we can actually build that content. We can have cohorts of our current sales reps in each of those groups. And so, for instance, having a Slack channel for that group so they can communicate with each other back and forth. But that also means it's less content that we have to kind of go in and build up front. And we're probably going to leverage other forms of like pre-built learning, for instance, like maybe LinkedIn learning or some of these other places out there where you can maybe purchase some of that content and reuse it so they can learn it. And then we come as a group and we say, how do we apply that, what we learned, to Syntego? And then, you know, go take it out into the real world and then you'll come back again in a couple of weeks and see and have another conversation about how things are going as they go through the program. Harrison, it was great to have you on. If people want to learn more about Synthico and opportunities there and or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can shoot me an email. It's harrison.wade, which is W-A-I-D at Synthico.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Harrison Wade. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.